And so in the book of Galatians, chapter 3, we're going to begin with verse uh, 26. And it says, For you are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. For as many as you, of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither bond nor free. There is neither male nor female. For you're all one in Christ Jesus. And if ye be Christ, then are you Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. So I'm going to go back to verse 26 of this chapter. Verse 26 says, For you're all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. Emphasis today uh, is on the word all, for you are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. So everyone who has put faith in Jesus Christ is a child of God. So as a child of God, then if you're a child of God, then that would mean that God is your father. And if God is your father, then you are my brother or sister. In other words, we are in the same family. God being the father of us all, we being his children. And so every child of God who has put their faith in Jesus is in the family of God. And we are brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus. Notice again the word all. For you're all the children of God by faith in Jesus. Well, if God be, is our Father, we know whatsoever is born of God overcomes the world. Uh, in 1 John chapter 5, uh, verse 4, whatever or whoever is born of God, meaning that your spirit has been reborn, that which is, uh, is born of the spirit is spirit, and that which is born of the flesh is flesh, according to John chapter 3. So you have a spiritual birth and you have a physical birth. Natural birth is you're born of your parents. So that's your natural body. And, but the scripture says the spirit comes from God. So God has committed himself according to Ecclesiastes. So God has committed himself when a person uh, is conceived in the womb, God puts a spirit in man or in people. So then, God is the creator of the Spirit. He gave you the ability to procreate and bring forth uh, children. So naturally, there is a natural generation, but there is a regeneration. The Scripture says that uh, we are regenerated, meaning that we are reborn or rebirthed uh, by God. And so your birth or born again by the Holy Spirit that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. So your spirit is born of God. So then God literally becomes your father. So if God is your father, again, then you are his child and you are born of God. And the scripture says in Peter, you're born of an incorruptible seed. So you have God's seed on the inside of you. He says the incorruptible seed by the word of God which lives and abides forever. So your spirit is born of God, born of the word of God. So you had to hear something of the gospel. That's why the scripture says the gospel of Christ is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes it, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. And so uh, the word of God, the gospel of Jesus Christ is for all of humanity, for every man, every woman, every boy, every girl. 
world, every person, no matter where they live, no matter what part of the world they live in, no matter what nationality they are, no matter how young or old they are, uh, no matter how rich or poor they are, no matter if they're male or female, because in this passage, he really uh, gives you three different categories, which are major categories in, in society. He said in verse uh, 27, For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Verse 28, There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither bond nor free, there is neither male nor female, for you're all one in Christ Jesus. Now, you have to consider what I just said in uh, uh, pre preempting this scripture. Uh, you have to consider the spirit part of you and the natural part of you. You are a spirit, you have a soul, and you live in a body. But primarily, you are a spirit, and your spirit is born again. Your inner man is born again. He says there's neither Jew nor Greek. So what's he talking about? He's talking about in the spirit, there is neither Jew nor Greek. In the spirit, there is neither bond nor free. In the spirit, there's neither male nor female. Obviously, uh, there is natural generation still. In other words, you still are a Jew by birth. If you were a Jew before, you're Greek by birth. You're, you're still a, Jew, uh, a Greek by birth. If you are uh, uh, white, then you're still white by birth, or you're black, you're still black by birth, or you're Hispanic, you're still Hispanic by birth, you're Asian, you're still Asian by birth. So natural birth gives you your natural generation, but a spiritual birth gives you a spiritual regeneration. So you've been regenerated spiritually, and so in the spirit, there's neither Jew nor Greek. In the spirit, there's neither uh, black or white. There's neither Asian or uh, Hispanic. There is no uh, distinction. In other words, we're all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. And so God accepts us all the same. He sees us in the spirit. He sees us the same. We're created in his image, and after his likeness, we are children of God. We have God's seed on the inside of us, or God's life on the inside of us, which is uh, communicated through our natural soul, our minds, our emotions is communicated uh, through our bodies. So God has his light on the inside of all different cultures and races, and he wants to shine through us all. Now, he says there's neither, again, I'm going to start at the first one, Jew nor Greek. So then we could say in the, in the spirit, there's no nationality or no race in the spirit. But God still identifies you as a different people group or a different uh, nationality. And even in heaven, he recognizes that. He says you'll come from all different nationalities, people, tongues, and so forth. So he recognizes that. But at the same time, he also sees you in the spirit. And your spirit is the predominant part of your being. And so your spirit being uh, the primary part of you, that is to rule you. In other words, you are to be ruled from the inside out. All right, so in the spirit, there's neither uh, black or white. In the spirit, there's neither Asian or Hispanic or any other nationality or people group or culture, if you will. So then, you can go anywhere in the world, and they could be your brother or be your sister, 
If they're born again, they're in the family of God. God is their father, and God has made them his child, and he recognizes them as his child, recognizes you as his child, and there's something that bears witness. I've been different nations of the world, and you can be in the same room with people of different nationalities. They speak different languages, and I can't understand their language, but I can sense their spirit. In other words, the Spirit of God is in the room, the grace of God, the presence of God is in the room. While they're worshiping, I'm worshiping. Certainly, it would be helpful if I can understand their language, but I can tell you, you can experience the same presence of God in the room with those people. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is in them and on them, and the Holy Spirit is in you and on you. And so, you can recognize the Spirit that is in them and the Spirit that is in you. That is if they are walking in the Spirit. Uh, that is if they're worshiping in the Spirit. All right, so if you are uh, in the Spirit, then there's going to be something that comes out of you that is recognizable, that is uh, actually notifying your face or notifying your attitude or notifying your words. There is a demonstration on the outside of who you are on the inside. So he said there's neither uh, uh, male nor female. He said there's neither uh, Jew nor Greek. He said uh, in this verse as well, he said that there's neither bond nor free. So we could consider people of all social and economic uh, status in our world. It doesn't matter if you're rich or poor. The scripture says uh, the rich and the poor, they meet together and the Lord is the maker of them all. It didn't say he made them poor. It didn't say that. He said he made them. All right, so then the Lord made everyone. So God created us in his image, and so we need to recognize not only uh, that uh, people of different races or different cultures are children of God, and they're just as born again as I am, and they're just as saved as I am, and and uh, you are just as saved as they are, and you're just as born again, and you have the same life in you that they have in them. So we need to recognize who we are in Christ, but we also need to recognize who other people are in Christ as well. And when we do, there's something about that that gives you a unity in your spirit, a unity in your lives as a member of the body of Christ, as a member of His church. Now, we say his church. I'm talking about the church universal. So we are members of the body of Christ. We are members of his church. And, of course, if you're a member of this church, you're a member of this church. Different races, different cultures in the same body, in the same church. All right, so then he says there is neither male nor female. Well, obviously, there is male and female naturally. And so there is different levels of social status, but we recognize everybody as people. And there's different male or female, and uh, we recognize everybody that's born again as people who are born of God. Hallelujah. There's been arguments in the church world for many, many years, uh, generations, generations before us, arguments about what women can do and what women cannot do. And, uh, but the, the goal is, what does the Bible say? And you find out that women could do pretty much anything in the Bible. 
And so uh, women can do pretty much anything in our uh, culture today. And so uh, God created women and he created men. And they both have a divine destiny and God created them in some cases to preach and teach. And so we find it in the scripture. But that argument has been uh, generation after generation about uh, whether women could teach in the church or preach the gospel. Well, uh, if you study the whole of scripture, then you'll find out that they can. All right, so uh, we can uh, split hairs over things or we can find out what the Bible says. And the best thing you can do is quit splitting hairs because you're going to have a lot of frizzle. All right, so... Uh, The best thing you can do is what does the Bible say in any given situation, in any given uh, set of circumstances? And when it comes to racial issues, what does the Bible say? Let's go to the Bible, since we are Christians, let's go to the Bible and say, how does God see you? How does God see each believer? How does God see each culture, each race? Well, he sees us as who we are naturally. He recognizes that we have a natural generation, but he also and predominantly recognizes us as created in his image and after his likeness with his very own life and nature on the inside of us. That's the way God sees you. And if we will see each other that way, then we will never be limited who we can fellowship with. We'll never be limited who we can love. We'll never be limited on who we can have real relationships with and develop relationships. And we'll not be limited in who we can marry. Wow. That's where one of those prejudice things really uh, hits, uh, hits the wall in many cases. In other words, uh, you can marry whoever you love in the sense of, you know, in the sense of the Bible. I know people carry that and same sex and that kind of thing, but that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about male and female and different cultures and different races. All right, so God has created us in his image, and we can marry whoever that we love and we uh, value and we want to be in relationship for the rest of our life. And so God created us to love everybody and love every race and every culture. He created us to do that. That's his design. So if he created us to do that, then you know the devil is going to try to divide people. He's always been up to dividing people. And we, we hear a lot of division, a lot of rhetoric, a lot of words. But you have to remember who you are. So you set the example As far as a Christian uh, person, a person that's born again and is a child of God, you set the example how you are going to communicate and how you are going to speak and how you're going to act and how you're going to behave toward other individuals, no matter what culture or what race they may be. And you'll find your life, if you love people no matter who they are, no matter what their culture or their race is, you'll find that your life will be enriched. And if you don't, and you don't break barriers or or just cross lines or different distinctions in our society, you'll find that your thinking will be limited 
and you will be limited to only your little world, whatever that world is, and whatever your culture is, whatever your race is. That's your, that's your way of thinking. That's your, you know, your world that you, uh, that you identify with, and that's all you identify with. And please understand me, that's okay to identify with your race, and okay, because God created you. It's just like a family. Uh, Linda's family, natural family, is a different family than my family. So she identifies with her family. I identify with my family. So it's okay to identify with your own family naturally. It's okay to identify with your own race. But it's also important that you don't so identify with your own race that you're not able to interact and have relationship with people of other races and respect their culture and receive from their culture and receive from them as individuals or as a culture. So we are enriched by our relationships, and if we hold ourselves in a certain culture, and that's all we're going to relate with, then we are limited. Are you hearing me today? So God wants us to see each other as children of God. We're all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. Now let's go uh, to the last part of the verse. He said, for you're all one in Christ. So if we're all one in Christ, then there is, a, there is a purposeful, in other words, you're one in the Spirit. You're one in the Spirit, so your head is usually where the division comes. All right, so your mind, your thinking. So it doesn't mean that everybody's going to think alike about everything. That's not what we're talking about. Uh, if we all think exactly alike about everything, we'd be clones, and that's not what we are. We are one with Christ. We're in union with Christ. We're one in in the Spirit. And yes, we have different thoughts, and we are able to learn. That's why you're able to learn from each other. If uh, if we all had all the same thoughts, we would never learn from anybody, would we? But we're learning and growing, and we're growing together. So it is a choice, though, when it comes to your mind. How are you going to think? Are you going to think unity? Are you going to think oneness? Are you going to think, I'm a child of God, they're a child of God, no matter what the difference in the race or culture is. I'm a child of God, they're a child of God, and we are one together. So if we choose to think like that and work toward unity, we can always have unity. It is a decision that we have to make. It is a choice that we have to make. And so he says that we're all one in Christ Jesus. Now remember, in the Spirit, you're already one. If you're walking in the Spirit, you'll find unity will be the result. So if you're walking in the flesh or just in the natural, uh, your flesh, it don't matter whose flesh it is. You know, if it's brown flesh, black flesh, if it's, uh, you know, Asian flesh or Hispanic flesh or white flesh, it don't really matter. It, it, you, we, we all have stuff that works in the flesh, right? The devil He pushes flesh buttons. He pushes natural mental reasoning buttons. He tries to divide. That's what he does. And if you're waiting for that to just dissolve, it's only going to dissolve if you dissolve it. In other words, it only dissolves in your life if you choose to dissolve it and say, God, I don't want that in my life. I don't want to think that way. I'm going to believe in people. I'm going to love people, and I'm going to act in love, and I'm going to show the respect that is due every human being. Praise God. So then, let's go to the next verse. And if you be Christ, then are you Abraham's seed. And what? Heirs according to the promise. If you be Christ, or if you belong to Christ... 
Then you're Abraham's seed. You're the seed of Abraham, which speaks of covenant. God made a covenant with Abraham, and so now he's enabled you and me to tap in. We talked about uh, on last Sunday, we talked about that we're one in Christ. And the Sunday before that, we talked about uh, that uh, there was a difference between Abraham's seed, in other words, uh, uh, the, the children of Israel and all uh, the other Gentiles. But God made both one. He's broken down the middle wall of partition between the two of them, and he's broken down the middle wall of partition between all different races and all cultures. And you'll find when people get in the Spirit that people love one another. When people get in the Spirit and they recognize who they are and who other people are in Christ Jesus, then they can walk in unity together. But where the division comes is when people start thinking too much and they start dividing. And it's by choice. And the world, if you're waiting for the world to unify you, it's going to be a long wait. And when it does happen, it's going to be the spirit of Antichrist. And so you don't want to wait for the world to unify you. You want to unify as a church, as a body of Christ, and let our influence, you know, we are going to be taken out of this place. And then the spirit of Antichrist is going to rule in this earth. And so at a certain point, people will think they're unified, but they're not really going to be unified. They're following the Antichrist. And so, he, and so as, a, as a church, the spirit of Antichrist is still in the world. It's here. The Scripture teaches us the spirit of Antichrist is in the world. It is very prevalent in the world. And so uh, more and more we see it in the United States, Antichrist. They want to shut Jesus down. Well, they want to, you know, some people want to shut the church down. Well, uh, we're not going to shut down. We're going to keep going. And so, and our doors will soon be open as well. Praise God. And that's not a, a, a spirit of fighting. It's just a spirit of, you know, we will come back. We're coming home. And we're going to be together in this room. And we're going to worship God in this room. And we're going to uh, magnify Jesus in this room. And then we're going to carry the glory out into our city. But you don't have to wait to carry the glory into your city. When you get back in the room, you can carry it out right now. Praise God. In other words, you can be seen as a light in this world, holding forth the word of life. In other words, the way you behave in your community, how you act. When you interact with people, I know it's kind of a, a little different interacting when everybody's wearing masks, but you still have eyes, and your eyes can speak volumes, and you still have a mouth, and you can speak, and so don't hold back on preaching Jesus. Don't hold back on loving people. Don't, I know you can't always touch people, and I get that. You know, that's where we're at right now, so everybody uh, has to keep their distance, but we're not going to stop preaching Jesus. We're not going to uh, uh, quit shining like lights in this world, holding forth a word of life. Amen. All right, so let's go to our next verse here. I want you to go to Ephesians, the book of Ephesians, and we're going to go to chapter uh, 4. Ephesians chapter 4, beginning in this uh, chapter with verse 1. Verse 1 says, Therefore, the prisoner of the Lord beseech you, I therefore the prisoner of the Lord beseech you, that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you're called, with all lowliness and meekness and long-suffering, forbearing one another in love. So he says, this is your attitude. 
This doesn't mean you're demeaning yourself. It doesn't mean that you don't value who you are. It just simply means that you so value others. He says, this is the attitude with which you are to conduct yourself, with lowliness, with meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing or bearing with one another in love. Now, he's talking to the body of Christ, so that means you got to bear with one another in love. That means that you're long-suffering. In other words, you're not so easily uh, reactive. How many have noticed you've gotten in trouble in your marriage when you're reactive? I can see y'all are really uh, listening. All right, so how many have noticed in relationships and friendships that when you're reactive, that it messes up your relationship? In other words, if you just are quick to react and say what's on your mind, uh, you basically, most of the time, people speak out of their flesh, and they divide their marriage, they divide their family, they divide their children from them, they divide uh, friends from them, they divide brothers and sisters from them because they're reactive. Reactive, you can respond, but responding usually would be you pause, you consider, and you speak wisely. If you pause and consider and speak wisely, many times you can actually speak from your spirit rather than your flesh or rather, from your, rather than from your natural reasoning. So your attitude can be exhibited in the right way rather than your flesh. And it don't matter what color the flesh is, we all have it. You know, it's not like uh, when the Bible talks about flesh, actually in the New Testament, when it uh, contrasts flesh and spirit, it's not talking about uh, the type of flesh in the sense of uh, what race you are. It's talking about every person has this thing called flesh. And if it dominates, there's going to be sin. If your flesh dominates you, there's going to be sinful attitudes, sinful actions, sinful words, and it's going to communicate sin, and it's going to destroy your life and other people's lives and your friendships and your relationships. But if you walk in the Spirit, praise God, it can restore. It can bring restoration where there's been hurt, where there's been pain. It's amazing what words, if they are changed and altered, how your life can be restored in a marriage, in a family, in a friendship, in a church relationship, uh, even, you know, in the secular world. If you, if you alter your words, then you can have good relationships with people on every level. Now, not everybody's going to want to be your friend, but uh, I'm not going to choose to be their enemy. So... It's really about how I'm going to respond to the situation. Now, if they become my enemy, then uh, that's going to be their choice, right? If they become your enemy, that's going to be their choice. But if you choose to walk in love, it's amazing. Sometimes you can see people restored in fellowship with you because you chose not to react, but you respond with wisdom. All right, let's go to the next verse. He says, Endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Endeavoring to keep, or other translations say, preserve the unity of the Spirit in the what? Bond of peace. In other words, where there's unity, there's going to be peace. And peace, you know, I grew up, you know, uh, in, 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 you know, I was 
born in uh, 56, so I was a teenager in the 70s, you know, and so uh, 60s and 70s, people were really about peace and love. But if you examine their life, what they meant by peace and love, it wasn't God's love. It was just like, you know, do whatever you want to do. Free love, free sex, no commitment, drugs, just live, living free, what they call free, which destroyed their lives. But thank God, God sent his spirit, and there was a revival in that culture. And people got saved, got born again. I was one of them. My wife was another. In other words, we uh, chose to accept Jesus when the Holy Spirit was moving on many of those young people and their lives were being transformed by the gospel and the power of God. So sometimes what the world says is peace and love is not necessarily peace and love. What the world says is unity is not necessarily unity. So you have to distinguish what the world is really saying and what you are saying. What is God saying and what is the world saying? Well, if you just come to the Bible, you're going to find out what peace is. Well, what, what is unity? How, how does God view us being in unity? He says, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit or preserve the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. So when you are a peacemaker, praise God, then you're going to have some unity in your life. You're going to have unity in your marriage. If you're reactive, then she's, she's uh, over there and you're over here, Right? That's just what happens. It divides. But if you're walking in the love of God, walking in the peace of God, choosing to maintain unity of the Spirit, you can have unity at the house. You can have unity in your friendships and your relationships. You can have unity at church. You can have unity in your life. So he says, endeavoring to keep. Now, the word keep there, another translation, again, says preserve. So, you know, I grew up where in the south where we lived in North Carolina. Uh, we grew up canning stuff, you know. Uh, canning vegetables and so forth. And so you put them in a jar and you seal that jar. And so it would last, you know, a whole year, even two years. It could last a long time. Why? Because it's preserved. Thank you, Jesus. It is sealed. Well, we've been sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. And so if we just choose not to let contaminants. Now, if you have that, if that gets loose and you leave it out, then it's going to be contaminated in time, isn't it? In other words, if you don't preserve it, it's not going to stay good. It's going to go bad. It's going to spoil. Well, if you let relationships, you let uh, animosity and ill will and, and resentment uh, get into your relationships, and it's going to spoil your relationship. So then God wants us to endeavor to keep or to preserve the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. So he tells us there's something we have to do in order for that to occur, right? And he told us in the verses before the attitude which is going to help make that happen. Let's go to the next verse. In, that, in verse 4, he said, there is one body. Now listen to these few verses here. And how God views us. He said there's one body. There is one spirit. One Holy Spirit. One body of believers. Even as you're called in one hope of your calling. Now our hope is in Jesus Christ. If you don't have hope in Jesus. And hope in the resurrection. The scripture says you're of all men most miserable. 
So the happiest people in the world many times are miserable if you go to the house. In other words, if you actually live with them, they're miserable. They may have a lot of money. They may seemingly have everything going for them, but they live miserable lives in many cases. Why? Because they don't have hope in Jesus. So if we don't have hope in Jesus and hope in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we're of all men most miserable. But here he says, in this verse, he says that we have one hope of our calling. So we're called out of darkness. We're called into his marvelous light. We're children of God. We're, one, we're of one spirit. And we are one body. Then he says in verse 5, one Lord. Sounds like one is good in God's eyes. One Lord. Same Lord Jesus Christ. One faith. He says one baptism. Are you talking about arguments? People have had arguments over baptism for as long as the church has pretty much existed. But baptism was a thing that was practiced before by the Jewish culture, according uh, to their uh, culture and scripture. So they already practiced baptism. So now you got all these splinters about baptism, and I'm not going to go into it all. I'm just saying that the church world can have a lot of different ideas and people sit around and split hairs over baptism. Whole do- denominations, they split hairs over it. And they say, well, you go that way and we'll go this way. And, and you believe that, we believe this. Well, you know, bottom line is I'm going to believe the Bible no matter what people say. I'm going to believe what I can see from the Word of God. And if I can see something different later and I can have my doctrine corrected or a better instructed and better enlightened, then I'm glad to hear that, Right? So I can listen to anybody, but I'm not going to buy into everything if I have Scripture to base my faith upon. All right, so I'm just saying that there are a lot of different ideas about baptism, and yet we can still love one another. We can still have one faith in Jesus Christ, even though we may not agree on every little dot or every little thing. We can still walk in unity and love in the body of Christ. So he says there's one Uh, one baptism. Then he says, one God. Now that's where, uh, this is one of the non-negotiables. If you're going to be a Christian, there's one God, and it's non-negotiable. There's one Lord. There's one faith, faith in Jesus. One Jesus, one Lord, one Holy Spirit. He says, one God and Father of all, who is above all, one God and one Father of all, who is above all, and through all, and in you all. I'm going to read it again. One God and one Father of all. Talking about the body of Christ, one Father of all. So there's one Lord, one, one Spirit, one hope of your calling, one faith. He says, one God and one Father. So God is the Father of all who are born again. He said, who is above all, meaning God is above all, so he is the ultimate authority, and his word is the ultimate authority. And through all, so God flows through us all, and he's in you all. So God is our Father, and he's the Father of your life, if you are a different race or a different culture. He's the Father of my life. 
And it really doesn't matter what your culture is or what your, uh, your skin color is or what your uh, race is or where, whether you were on uh, the rich side of town or on the poor side of town. You know, usually uh, it's not really that far from the poor side to the rich side. It's usually pretty much an understood line. Okay, this is the more poor side of town. This is poor, poor area of town. And then you might go into a more middle class, or you might even go into a rich area. It's really not that far away, but people divide over it. And the rich people don't like the poor people sometimes, and the poor people don't like the rich people, and then the middle class, they don't like either one of them. Well, why, why do that? We need to love everybody. Or male and female, you know, you can't be this or you can't succeed because you're a woman. No, no, no. You can succeed anywhere, anytime, anyplace, do anything that God created you to do. Praise God. So prejudices exist in our world, but we don't have to be party to it. I said prejudices exist in the world, but you don't have to be party to it. Thank you, Jesus. Differences of opinions exist politically. But you don't have to necessarily make it a big divide because you disagree with somebody. Well, if you disagree with somebody politically, that doesn't mean that they're not a Christian because they don't believe just like you believe politically. In other words, in our nation, two major parties and, and, and the parties never uh, seem to like each other. It's kind of foolish, much of it. But because uh, they don't just sit at the table and figure out what's the best thing for our country and debate over it and find a good middle ground so that they can figure out what is really going. No, because they want to be in control. It's just the way it works. They both want to be in control, and so they fight about it. And so the key is, if you disagree with me politically or disagree with somebody else politically, that doesn't mean you, you are not a Christian and you're not saved, you're not born again. You just have a different perspective at the moment. Well, when we get, we get to heaven, hopefully we'll get some of it ironed out down here. But, you know, when we get to heaven, God's not going to ask you what party you are at. You know, he, he's not going to say, which side of the aisle are you from? No, he's going to say, are you saved? Are you born again? Do you know Jesus? Does the blood of Jesus wash your spirit? Or have you been bought with a price? Do you love Jesus Christ? Have you been serving Jesus? Have you been obeying God? Have you been doing the will of God? I mean, those are the kind of things you're going to hear from God. God's not going to say, uh, were you Republican? Uh, were you Democrat? Well, if that were the case, then he's in real trouble because uh, the rest of the world, you know, doesn't go that way. They may have different parties, or di they don't call them Republican or Democrat. So, uh, you know, heaven's going to be really messed up if, if that's the case. God's going to have to tell you if you can come in if you're Republican or Democrat. No, it has nothing to do with Republican or Democrat. There's good things about both parties. People, people have done good things on both sides of the aisle. It's true. So you just have to accept that not everybody's going to agree with you about every per political persuasion. You can, you can state your case. That's fine. But do it respectfully. Because if you don't do it respectfully, then you're just stirring up the strife. You, you, just get, uh, you become a part of the world spirit. 
And the world spirit is sucks you in. That's just what the world does. And the world has a way of sucking you in and actually will suck you under. Under its influence. Now, I'm not going to be controlled by the world, period. There is a dot at the end of that sentence. In other words, I'm not going to let the world control my relationships. I'm not going to let the world tell me who I can love and be in friendship with and relationship with. We've been in relationship with people who had different uh, political persuasions uh, in this church and, and throughout my life. You know, so that's really, it becomes irrelevant when you're a Christian. Doesn't mean that you can't believe what you believe and, and search out the facts, but do search out the facts regarding whatever they're saying. Because if you just go by the quick uh, communication and the sound bites, you won't really know what they believe. You only know what they just said. So what you know is what, by what they do, not just what they say. All right. You can know God by what he says and what he does. God's word is always the same. In other words, don't make it a big dividing point, and you're going to be divisive about everything. Why? Because God loves people, and he doesn't say, if you're a Republican, I love you, and if you're a Democrat, I love you, or if you're an Independent, I really love you. No, he just loves you because you're people. And people are always, I trust, learning and growing. So we might change our minds somewhere along the line, and we might not. Right? We might get to heaven and then say, the, the Lord would say, well, maybe you'll learn something up there, right? We all will, right? When you get to heaven, we're going to know him like we are known. Wow, that's going to be amazing. All right, so why, why should you just let something in this world divide you? What if the Lord called you tomorrow to another country to preach the gospel? I mean, I've been to other countries and people that are American citizens, and they, they came from America, but they are so involved in that country that they, they really aren't as interested as you are in this country because they are so focused on the will of God for that nation. Now, I'm not saying they shouldn't be interested in America. I'm just telling you that's what happens because their heart is in that nation, and they want to see a transformation in that nation, and they're working diligently to preach the gospel and see the gospel of Jesus Christ change that nation. All right, so let's wind this up because my time is about up. All right, so let's go here to the next verse. He said, one God and Father of all who is above all and through all. Oh, so he's above all. And he's through all. He's through, through how many? Through all. In other words, God can work through you if you don't agree with me. Do you know there are denominations that have split hairs over stuff? And they've divided and they've gone their separate ways and God has used both of them. And people have been saved in both of the denominations. doesn't mean that one of them's right over the other. I, I, you know, I'm not just going to even talk about that right now. I'm just saying that God uses both of them. God works with who will work with him, and he works with people on the level they will yield to him. But I think it's time that we can unify even though we don't agree on every little point. And if you wait to agree on every point, you probably don't even agree with yourself half the time. 
You're debating in your own head. And if you're not, you're probably not thinking through things, right? You've got to work through anything. I mean, a decision. You've got to debate with yourself. You've got to pray it through yourself. You think it's one way, and then you decide it should be another way, right? That's just reality. You're, you're, you're processing things. So uh, you don't want to divide yourself. Or, uh, do, we would have to do what uh, uh, the king Solomon said, well, just split that baby and give half to one and half to the other. Well, mama spoke up, right? Now, we're not going to split over that. So uh, churches have split. People have split. Denominations have come into being as a result most of the time, unfortunately, because of splits. They don't agree over this or that. And so the key is you love people. Even if they don't agree with you about everything. Well, that would be a really sad day if we agreed about everything, wouldn't it? We'd just walk around. we all look at each other and say, we don't have anything to talk about because we all agree. You understand? We're, we are people. And people are people wherever you put them. And so you need to love people if they don't agree with you. Do you love your wife? I'm sure she doesn't agree with you all the time. Do you love your husband? I'm sure he doesn't agree with you all the time. Do you love your children? I'm sure they don't agree with you all the time. Right? That's relationships. And so, in the church, we should be able to love people regardless of differences of opinions or differences of beliefs in the sense of the world and even in the sense of the Bible. In some cases, you know, you may not agree on everything in the Bible. Surely we don't. Right? But you still love people. You still believe in them. You're not going to say, well, they're not saved because. How ignorant. How childish. Let me just be simple and plain. How childish. It's childish. You're acting like children when you do that stuff. You're acting like little little children. And so God doesn't want, want us to act like children. He wants to act like mature adults, especially if we've been around the church any length of time. We should grow up, right? Grow up into Him in all things, which is ahead, even Christ. 